come and find your seats, make yourselves feel comfortable. Um, it's great to be sharing with you this morning. Um, I know many of you, um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Rob and I'm part of the team here. Um, and, and so today we're going to be continuing um, our series on everyday prayer. So if I take you back 2,000 years ago, um, Jesus' disciples, his followers, they went up to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he taught them to pray what has become the most famous prayer in history, the Lord's Prayer. And so over the last few weeks, we've been using that very prayer to help us in our own everyday prayer lives. So over the last few weeks, we've looked at adoration, about starting our prayers with an attitude of worship to God. We've talked about how we bring our prayers to him in petition for our own needs and in intercession for the needs of others. But you know, the re everyday reality of our prayers, our own prayer lives, is that they don't always get answered, do they? Sick people aren't always made well. Disasters strike. Fires break out on helpless people. Bombs go off. Wars break out. So how do we deal with that as followers of Jesus when our prayers aren't answered? For those of us that aren't following Jesus, we may be uttering prayers as well. How do we deal with that? So you could be, it may well be that you're sat here this morning facing disappointment. You may be dealing with your own unanswered prayers. Perhaps feeling like God is absent from your problems. You know, you're not alone. The Bible talks a lot about unanswered prayer. Over half the Psalms are laments or cries out to God, help me answer my prayer. We look at Jesus, he himself experienced it. And yet we find it hard to talk about it, don't we? To be really honest about how we feel when we see so much suffering in our own lives, but also in the world around us. And we wonder, how can God allow these things to happen? But we believe in a God who hurts with us, a God who loves us through the pain. And so this morning, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at, at persevering in prayer, even when it gets hard. So the dictionary tells us that um, perseverance is the persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Or as Winston Churchill put it, never give in. Never, 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 never. You know, perseverance by its very nature can be tough. And it often takes time to see the kind of success we long for. Because, you know, the reality is it's so much easier to give up than to carry on, isn't it? Let's just see, in a, in a moment, we're going to see how Jesus talks about perseverance in prayer. But before I do that, it seems apt to pray to start with. So let's just pray together this morning. Lord, I thank you that you know and you love each one of us. I thank you that you know the hurt and the heartache and the brokenness that we bring with us into this room this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you would come and stand with us, that you would speak to us, and that you would help us to know the things that you want us to know, Lord. So I pray beyond anything that I say, Lord, I pray that you'd be speaking to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to read this morning from Luke in chapter 18. We're going to start from the first verse. If you've got your Bibles, if you've got a device with you, why don't you, you bring that up? And um, I'm going to start reading from, from verse 1. And this is the parable of the persistent widow. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. 
He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So we'll come back to that um, persistent widow in a minute, but I'd like us just to explore that whole area of unanswered prayer. Why, why do our prayers sometimes not get answered? And Pete Gregg, who, the founder of 24-7 Prayer, he gives us a really helpful lens, three ways that we can kind of help us to understand unanswered prayer. So the first of those is God's world. The reality is we live in a world that is governed by the laws of nature. We'd love to see our answers to prayer, but because of the nature of the, this world, that doesn't always happen. So I want to take you back a few months. How many people in the rain and the cold were crying out for a little bit of sun, a little bit of warmth? Okay, I'm noticing a few nods, yeah. And how many people this last week have been crying out to God for a little bit of cool weather, maybe a little bit of rain? Anybody? Yeah, quite a few of us. So we, you know, we can't, you know, God can't please everybody, can he, at the same time? The reality of um, nature is that we don't always get what we or I want in this world. I, I remember quite a few years ago, I got to go to an FA Cup final. This was um, when they were play, taking place over in Cardiff quite a few years ago. My team, Liverpool, the Mighty Reds, were facing uh, Arsenal a lesser team in red. And, and we... <laughs> and I want to take you back to that day so much. Um, we, we managed to get hold of two tickets, myself and a friend. Uh, the other ticket, uh, he, was a, he was an Arsenal fan. Um, and, but unfortunately for me, those tickets were in the Arsenal end, which meant that however the result went, it was going to be a, quite an awkward afternoon for me. Um, and I knew from, from word go, I had to be on my best behavior. So there was me, I'm praying for a Liverpool win, and my friend's praying for an Arsenal win. Some, someone was going to be going home delighted in that car on the way back up the M4, and someone was going to be rather disappointed. So, and, and I'm not going to talk, I oh, know, I'm going to tell you a bit about the game, okay? So it was one of those really tight games where, you know, Arsenal was slightly stronger, um, but it remained scoreless up until about 19 minutes to go. And Arsenal scored. Everyone around me leapt to their feet, screaming, shouting, jumping around. And I was slumped in my seat, head in my hands, absolutely gutted. But then the, the game carried on, and with eight minutes left on the clock, Liverpool had a free kick. And Michael Owen, do you remember him? Um, I don't like to talk about him now. Um, he, he stuck out a right foot and, and scored an equaliser. And I leapt in the air then suddenly remembered where I was and who I was with. So I sat down quickly and hoped no one had noticed. 
And all around me, everyone else was doing what I'd been doing earlier. They were slumped in their seats, head in their hands. They were beyond gutted, and I was absolutely delighted. And so we were fast approaching the end of the game, when, uh, and we're thinking this is going to be extra time, penalties. When with just two minutes to go, Liverpool played a ball forward, and Owen burst through. He beat two defenders with his pace. That pretty much was all he, he had anyway. Um, and then he shot low past the England goalkeeper, David Seaman. He had a paint, ponytail, moustache. Um, and I couldn't help myself. I leapt in the air. He scored, screaming, shouting. I just couldn't believe that this was happening. Everyone else around me still, you know, head in their hands, slumped in their seats, giving me really evil looks by that point. You know, we'd won the cup, and I was over the moon, and everyone around me was utterly depressed. And, you know, I even made my friends stick around for the lap of honor, you know, the champagne, the fireworks. And then he had to drive me all the way back up the M4. It was the most magical of days for me. Uh, uh, just a sweet moment. And, and, and in that moment, it felt like my prayers had been answered. But for my pr friend, his prayers had definitely gone unanswered. You see, we live in a world where laws and rules, when one with uh, what one person longs for and cries out for, the opposite, uh, and, and another cries out for the opposite to take place. You know, not everyone can be happy, can they? Perhaps you're someone who's been fed up of kind of doing the school run um, in the pouring rain, and you've been crying out for some sun. It's come now. Um, but the rain that came, you know, is such a godsend for the farmer that lives down the road. Perhaps the bus that you ran for and missed arrived with just enough time so that a single mum could get to her appointment on time. Not everyone can be happy at the same time. Now, the second thing is around God's will. So sometimes our prayers simply don't get answered the way we'd love them to because of God's will. You know, he sees the fuller picture. So I want you to imagine like this last week, you can see it already, the, and there's an ice lolly there. My boys might come to, come to me and say, Daddy, can I have an ice a lolly? And sometimes I will say yes, sometimes I'll say no. Now, when they were younger particularly, if I said no, they were exceptionally grumpy or disappointed and couldn't understand how I could possibly say no to them. But I didn't do it to upset them. Well, not all the time anyway. I, I did it because I absolutely want the best for them. I want them to be healthy. I don't want them to go through life being reliant on sugar. And yet all they can see in that moment is the fact that I've told them that they can't have something they'd really like to have. But, you know, sometimes I'm a good dad, really. But I, I like to say yes because I know that it will make them happy. I know that it might cool them down and put a smile on their faces. And that reminds me of what um, Jesus said in Luke, earlier in Luke. He says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, you might be praying for somewhere to live. Maybe perhaps you, you might put in an offer for a place to rent or to buy, and it seems perfect. You've looked around at schools, shops, neighborhoods, surroundings. It looks great. But then someone gets in an offer first and it goes off the market. Or someone puts in a higher bid than you can afford and it's beyond your means. And in that moment, you think, God, why? Why did you let that happen? It was perfect. But perhaps you look back on it, you know, a few years later and you think, I'm so glad we didn't get that place. You know, when we got married, we came to this area and started renting. That isn't my house, by the way. Um, we came to this area and we started renting a little one-bed flat. 
And then we spent 10 years wondering if we'd ever be able to get our own place. We had two growing boys, yet we were in jobs that really didn't pay much. And then Kathy spent a couple of years on maternity leave, and that, you know, the income went even further down. And in that time, I had opportunities to go for a couple of higher paid jobs and perhaps to progress up a career ladder. And yet, for reasons beyond my comprehension, even now, I didn't get those jobs. And yet, somehow, we were able to still stay in this area. You know, from our perspective, we did everything that we could. We saved for 10 years. We were really careful with our money. We didn't go on big holidays or spend money that we didn't have. But, you know, we got to a point where it just felt like we should start, you know, exploring this a bit more. It felt like there was a real prompting from God. And so we stepped out, and God provided just at the right time. Kathy took a new job, got a pay rise and a promotion. Both our parents decided to relocate in that moment and gave us money to put towards a deposit. We found a house that was perfect for us, maybe not as perfect as that one, but it was far more than we could actually afford in that time. And so we prayed. We'd been praying all that time as well. And the price came down a ridiculous amount. I mean, like thousands and thousands of pounds on the house that we'd set our hearts on. And, you know, I remember a few years before that just crying out to God for a new job, crying out that we'd, we'd find a place where we could live. And at times it felt like, personally, I felt like I could be doing more. When, but, you know, I wasn't earning much money and I was feeling a little bit bored, to be honest. But if God had answered my prayers now, then, then I don't think I'd be where I am now. In fact, I know I wouldn't be where I am now. If we'd given up at that very first hurdle, we'd have never been taught about leaning into God and relying on him to provide for us. You know, God always knows what's best for us even when we don't see it ourselves, even when we only see the physical things in front of us and the situations we're facing in the present, he always sees the bigger picture. And the third reason why perhaps we don't always get our prayers answered is, is God's war. The reality is that although Jesus died on the cross and defeated death, although God wins in the end, we are still in a battle there are powers in this world, and we've seen it over these last few weeks, that simply don't want to see good win, that fight against love and hope and joy. We think about the fire that struck Grenfell Tower last week. Women who are raped, child, children who are abused, that is not God's will. That is the result of a fallen, broken world. But you know, sometimes God does answer our prayers. And that is why it can be so frustrating and heartbreaking when we see unanswered prayer around us. If we didn't believe in prayer in the first place, then why should we be frustrated? It's because we've seen it that we long for more. You know, we talk a lot in the vineyard about the now and the not yet of God's kingdom. You know, sometimes we get to see today a glimpse, of, 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 a little glimpse of, of, of God's vision for our preferred future. When our will and God's will aligns, we see God's power break through, don't we? We see healing. We see outbreak of love and hope. We see transformed lives. We see transformed cities. But sometimes we have to experience the not yet. We see suffering. We see hatred. We don't see the healing that we long for. And we see people and places broken. 
So how do we personally deal with prayer that goes unanswered? Let's go back to the passage. As, As I said at the beginning, Jesus' followers had already come up to him and asked him to teach them to pray. But here Jesus teaches them further about prayer. Now, whenever Jesus wanted his disciples to grasp something especially important, he wouldn't, you know, give them a lecture or a three-point sermon. He would tell them a story. And that's what he does here. He tells them a story to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And I love this story of this widow, one of the most vulnerable people in society. Now, these are the kind of people that Jesus taught his followers to look after. And so as an an unmarried woman in that time, she simply wouldn't have had any rights. She would have had no one to look out for her. And so she comes with a simple plea to this corrupt judge who she should be getting justice from. She says, grant me justice. And when she got turned down, she went back. And she kept going back until the corrupt judge gave in and granted her justice. You know, so often in parables, in in the stories that Jesus told, Jesus compares God with with a great father who loves his children and looks out for them and wants the best for them, or a fantastic manager who shows love and acceptance. But in this parable, Jesus uses this corrupt judge to show a huge contrast in what God is like. If this corrupt judge would grant this widow her request, how much more? Would a loving heavenly father want to do good things for us? God is a loving father who wants to give each one of us good things. Even if we don't always know what's good for us. He wants us to do well in life. He wants us to love and to be loved. He wants us to grow. And to show a world that there is a God who loves them. He longs for us, each one of us, to connect personally more deeply with him. And that is why he longs for us to go deeper in prayer. So what does that parable tell us 2,000 years later about how we should approach prayer? And it can be summed up, I think, in that very first verse. It says this, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So let's just unpack this a little. Firstly, always pray. You know, Paul, um, a follower of Jesus as well, he talks about this in the the book of Ephesians, a letter to the people in Ephesus. He says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. In other words, we bring everything to him at all times. We bring all kinds of prayers and requests. Now, to me, that sounds like an invitation. So I want to ask you this morning, what are your prayers and requests for your family? for your friends, for your workplace, for your community, for London, for this country, for this world. You know, when we looked at intercession last week, we we filled these two walls with our prayers and requests to a loving Father. And we can bring our prayers and requests wherever we are on all occasions, which means at all times, we keep coming. And so for me, I've been trying to find ways that can help me to pray always. You know, the last couple of weeks, we've been giving out these cords to remember and and to pray for those that don't yet know Jesus. And that's just a simple reminder we can carry around with us. And um, and one of our weeks as well, Pete Gregg mentioned getting a dice and assigning each number to a different thing 
um, that we want to be praying for. And so Kathy and I just went away. We created a list of like eight things that we really want to press in and pray for. And so I brought this, you may not know this exists, but an eight-sided dice. Wonderful little thing. So it's just going to go in my pocket and so I can take that out and then pray for whichever according number that is. And if you want to get hold of them, they're about $2.99 from the well-known online retailer. But, you know, I think we can also, we just remember that we can talk to God whenever and wherever we are. And so perhaps another helpful way to us to think about this is, is by starting each day by committing everything we do to him. And so we can then talk and walk with him through the day, giving him our thoughts, our desires, our frustrations and everything that is in between. Now, secondly, like the persistent widow, we need to keep coming. We keep on keeping on. The widow kept coming back seeking justice. And, you know, it reminds me of how Jesus talked earlier in Luke about asking and seeking and knocking. He says this in Luke 11, verse 9. It says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Ask, seek, knock. Now in the original Greek, this is in the continuous presence hence, which I'm going to demystify that for you if that doesn't mean a lot to you. But what it, in other words, it means keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking. Now, and again, and again, and again, continually keep bringing our prayers and requests to him. Now, I want to show you a story about a, a couple who, you will, who will be familiar to you and are part of our church. Now, now, Tracy came to faith about 20 years ago, and she kept asking, seeking, and knocking for Steve, her husband, to come to know Jesus as well. And if technology permitting, that will come up now. I started going to... Um church in 1997 um, and because um, we wanted to get our son baptised so um, you know so we went along we had him baptised which was wonderful and um, then I was invited to an alpha course so, so that was 20 well, twenty years ago so I went to the alpha course and, um, and it was amazing and I gave my life to God and you know um, then um, I've been praying all those years for Steve my husband so it took a long long time you persevering um, and you keep asking and asking and asking to go on alpha courses and alpha courses and I think I'm a bit of a stubborn person and if somebody asks me something then I sort of back off I have to make my own decision and the last alpha uh, I decided to go along to the alpha course and uh, it changed my life my wife's invited me to every alpha <laughs> for, the last, <laughs> for the last 20 years um, no, it was, uh, we went to the, to the, to the Alpha launch and um, somebody put a, a form in front of me and uh, said, do you want to come on the Alpha course? And I said, no, I didn't want to. And we drove home that day and the Alpha, Alpha was on the Tuesday, following Tuesday, and I think it was the Monday before the Alpha. I said to Tracy, I'm going to come along with you tomorrow night. She was surprised. Um, but it was just because it was my decision. I made that decision. Nobody asked me to, to come along. That's the best thing I did, really. So, and, you know, I said, Lord, show me how to love him like you love him. 
So, you know, then all of a sudden I step back, haven't I? I step back, I've not mentioned God once, which is very difficult for me, isn't it? <laughs> you know, so I just completely changed my whole outlook without realising. And when he said, I'm going to come to Alpha, I said, you know, for the actual cause, I said, no, you can't, your name's not down, didn't I? <laughs> that was funny. So, and then you really enjoyed it. Yeah. You? We have really good, we've always had discussions on sort of religious, religious connotations, haven't we? You know, all our lives, haven't we? Because we, we always believed in God and we, we wanted to get married in church, we wanted the children baptised after we got married and, you know, um, so that's always been important but we didn't have a relationship. That's the important thing. That's why Riverside is so important to both of us because it's, it's like a home for the family. So that's perseverance. For 20 years I've been praying, so you know, you don't need faith as small as a mustard seed to move that mountain. Isn't that just wonderful? Just 20 years. Wow. That's a, that is a long time. Tracy had to learn to persevere in prayer. And you know, I think many of us could do with learning that lesson. We need to learn how to get used to waiting again, because we don't have to wait for anything these days, do we? You know, I think we live in a, in a microwave culture and expect our prayers to be answered as soon as we say amen or the, you know, the microwave pings. But you've, you've tasted microwave meals, right? Even the ones that say finest on the label are mere imitations of the real thing. But compared with that, have you, have you tasted slow-cooked food? I'm going to make you hungry now. Um, after it's just come out of a slow cooker, the way it just falls apart and melts in your mouth, the way the flavors have blended and matured. You know, I think God wants us to be slow cookers when it comes to our prayer lives, where we actively practice perseverance. We can come to him in prayer and expect an answer, but if we wait and we keep on wait, keep on keeping on, and then we come to him asking, seeking, and knocking, asking, seeking, and knocking, the answer is so much sweeter when our prayers have blended and matured, and we keep on even when it seems impossible to do so, or when it seems easier to give up. And so I, this is my last thing. I just want to be, I, I just want to encourage us not to be discouraged. So even when the answer seems to be no, like the widow, we are told to keep coming with our prayers. In Romans 5 verse 3, it's this famous word, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. So when our prayers go unanswered, how do we carry on praying? When we see these sick people that aren't made well, when we see disasters happen, fires break out, bombs going off, how do we carry on then when we don't get the kind of answer we're looking for? So you may well be sat here facing disappointment, feeling like God is absent from your problems. But you know, Jesus experienced that too. Jesus experienced unanswered prayer. We find it hard to talk about that, but it's so important that we do. I said earlier that God wants to hurt with us. He wants to love us through the pain. And, and Pete Gregg puts it like this. He says, when we pray, God sometimes does a miracle and airlifts us out of our problems. But more often, he parachutes in to join us in the midst of them. 
We find it so hard because we know that sometimes he does answer. We long to carry on seeing people being healed and situations changing and loved ones coming to know him after years of prayer. But we're left with that disappointment. He says, don't be discouraged. He never leaves us. In Joshua 1 and chapter 9, he says, God says, you know, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I believe he wants each one of us to allow him to let him parachute in and join us in the midst of our problems. To help us get over our problems and lead us into a place where we can pray again in faith. And I just want to come in and land with this. So, you know, as I was preparing this morning, I just sensed that many of us have been left disappointed. Perhaps with God himself. Perhaps we feel broken by unanswered prayer. But he wants to, us to allow him to stand with us, to hurt with us, to live with us, and to love us. And so I'd love us just to take some time to respond this morning. Lynn, if, if you're around, why don't, why don't you come back up?